continuing our series, What Makes a Village? And I think it's just always good for us ever so often, usually about once a year, for us to go back and take a look and find out, you know, why we're here, what's our purpose, you know, what do we believe in, all those different things. And uh, last Sunday we talked about that one thing Village Church is going to be committed to is that we're going to be a church that is committed to Scripture. Now today our focus is going to be on we are going to be a church that is also committed to service or a church that is committed to serving. I remember whenever the church, when we first started the church about 12 years ago, uh, Emily and I were talking and I remember as we were talking we said that we wanted the church to be a church that was going to be involved in the community, something that, you know, a church or a group of people that would go out and be effective and minister in the community. And so, you know, what does that mean? Well, for us, you know, and I think what we do sometimes is when we talk about service, I think we make it something that's very difficult and kind of scary. I think a lot of times we think, well, if we're going to really serve as a church, then that means that everybody here is going to have to go and be a missionary to some, you know, really hot place where they don't have air conditioning and they don't have good water to drink. Now, that's not what it means. That can mean that sometimes, but it doesn't always mean that. And so just to give you an example uh, of, of what we've done as a church, I remember when we first started, we said, well, well, we'll go to a school. And we went to a school and we asked them, hey, is there any way we can, we can be of service to you all, any way we can help you? And this is before we'd even had our first service. And I remember at the first school that responded to us was Spring Valley High School. And they said, yeah, we'd love for you to come. And on football games, if y'all would make hot dogs for us in the concession stand. And that's just a simple way for us to serve. We said, man, we'd love to do it. And so me and a buddy of mine, we went and we were, y'all, we were the hot dog kings. I mean, we could make hot dogs faster than anybody had ever made them at that school. We made so many that, that we couldn't, you couldn't even sell them all. And so it's not like, you know, we're going to save hot dogs. I mean, they might save them at some places, but at this school they didn't. And so we had to get them all, we had to get rid of them all. And so by the end of the game, we'd have, you know, seven, seven wieners in a bun. So a guy would buy one hot dog and say, here you go. And so it was just a great, healthy way for our church to serve. Now, out of that, there just were some other service opportunities. And I remember we had the opportunity to begin to serve at Ridgeview High School. And so we went there, and we were able to be, begin to work their first down markers. And then Blythewood High School called us in Westwood. And, and I just tell you all that just to let you know that as we began to serve in one little area, that it began to grow and expand for the church. And it was just really neat for us. It was a neat opportunity for us. And so I just want to give you some examples. When we talk about serving, it doesn't always have to be something that is scary to you. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul, who wrote this text that we're going to be examining, sharing with believers what God has in mind for his followers. And we're just going to read one passage of Scripture today, or one verse. And I really like this one verse, because in this one verse, it shows us that our God thinks big when he thinks of us. And that is really encouraging to me. God doesn't look at us. He doesn't look at his followers and think, you know, that they really can't do a whole lot. And so I'll just give them a couple of little things to do maybe throughout their lifetime. Now, when God thinks of you and whenever God thinks of the church, God has big plans for us. And so it's my hope that that you're going to be encouraged today whenever you see what it is that God has in mind for his people. And so we're going to look in that one verse today in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse number 10. And as we look there, I think this passage of scripture answers some questions for us that I think a lot of us have concerning our relationship with God. 
concerning, you know, what exactly is our value as people? And this one verse addresses this. You see, in this one verse, it's going to address, address to us the riches that we have in Jesus. And when we look at this verse today, we're going to see that there, there are no excuses for followers of God. There are no excuses for the church concerning what we can do because God has enriched us and he's blessed us to be able to be a blessing to other people. And we do that through serving. Uh, we're told in Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the, ho- may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now the question is, do you have any doubts about what you can actually do as a believer? They'll make a difference. Do you wonder sometimes if your life has value, if it really makes a difference? I just want us to look at three basic questions that I think our text answers for us today. And I think a question that a lot of people have is this question, am I worthy to do anything for God? And you know, when it comes down to it, am I really, me personally, am I worthy to do anything for God? Well, look at verse number 10. It says, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Now, the Bible is a, it's a very honest book. I mean, it gives us a really good picture of who we are as people. Uh, we're told in Romans 3, it says that we are all sinners. We're told in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says that your heart is deceitful. Not mine too. That your heart, my heart, is deceitful. It is beyond cure. Uh, we're told in Romans 3, 10 and 11, it says there is no one righteous, not even one. It says there's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Now that's just a real honest assessment as to who we are as people. I mean, when you look at that, you'd have to say, well, that's not a very good resume builder. You know, to say that I'm, that I'm a person who is sinful, I'm a person who is, who is deceitful in my heart. And so with that in mind, I believe there are a lot of us who feel unworthy of receiving anything from God. And when we look at ourselves, we say, how could God ever use anybody like me who is so flawed in, in their life? But then I look in verse number 10, and when I look in verse number 10, it says that we are God's workmanship. Now, if you have your Bible, that is a word that you ought to underline, workmanship. That word workmanship, now most of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. That word in Greek, workmanship, it is poema. It's where we get our word poem. It literally means work of art, which I think is, is really neat. It says, for we are God's work of art. Do you feel like a work of art? Now, isn't that, isn't that encouraging? I mean, that's encouraging to me. Whenever God made you and when God made me, the Bible says that we are his work of art. It, it doesn't tell me that, that I'm a loser. It doesn't say that whenever God looks at me, that he's, he looks at me as being as someone who is inadequate, as someone who doesn't have a hope or a future. Instead, it tells me that I've been fashioned by God and I've been fashioned to be like him. We, we are one of God's top creations. And so what does that mean? It means we are worthy 
to do things for God. Now, it's not because we are worthy, because we're such smart people. It's because of the God who created us. Your maker, because of who made you, it is what makes you worthy to serve him. Now, we all know this. Whenever you go shopping and you're going to buy something of value, you want to know who is the one who made the product. Because the one who made the product gives a pretty good picture of what kind of product that you're going to get. Uh, My mother is probably the queen of all shoppers. It is absolutely crazy. And and one thing that drives me nuts is you can go shopping with her, which I do not do anymore. When I was a kid, she would force me to go. And she would shop for hours looking for the best deal that she could get. And for like four or five hours, she wouldn't buy anything and then we'd go home. And I'm thinking, that is nuts. Now, when she went to New York with my dad a few years ago, they were up there walking around and, you know, they sell all these things in booths. And my mom saw a guy selling Rolex watches. Of course, you know, those are great deals when you can buy them around the street. And so mother, of course, when she saw them, she thought of me because she always wants me to, to dress better, to look nicer. And she's like, well, he'll look great in a Rolex watch. So she goes over and she buys this Rolex watch for 25 bucks. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. She brought it home. It looked good. I mean, you know, the, it had that little bubble, you know, the little bubble thing where the has the date on it. You know, my, at my age, that helps because it's magnifying. That's pretty cool. Uh, the second hand, and you know the second hand in a Rolex, it's sort of like it sweeps. Man, it did it just like it looked like a real Rolex. There's only one problem with it. It could not keep time well. I'm not lying. It lost 15 minutes every hour. Which is not good for you if I'm preaching and I'm going by that watch. It's like an hour sermon. And so I was like, I had to quit wearing the watch. Now, what was wrong with the watch? What was the maker? I'm sure it's some guy that was sitting, you know, in his car cranking out these $25 watches all day long. Now, here's the deal. When God makes something, though, he makes it with quality. When God makes something, he makes it after his own image. You know what God said after he made people? In Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. Now, it's interesting, in all the other parts of creation, when God made animals and when he made plants and all those things, he would come to the end and he would say, and it was good. When he got finished making man, God said, and it was very good. Now, why did he say that? Because we're different than all other creation. People have been made... In the image of God. Nothing else was made in God's image. It's just people. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And I say, well, how are we like God? How are we created in the image of God? Well, we're, we're like God in that we have the ability, because we've been created in his image, to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong. I mean, there is a natural law that is written on the hearts of man. Nobody else has. I mean, animals don't have the ability to tell what's right and what's wrong. I mean, have you ever seen like a cat looking at a squirrel and saying, thou shalt not murder? Yeah, they, they don't do that. Now, no, why not? Because they, they are not made in the image of God. They do not reason. We have been made like God in that way. How else are we made in the image of God? Well, another way that we are made in the image of God is that we have been given stewardship over, over this earth. Just like God has, uh, has dominion over all of creation. 
Again, in Genesis 1.27, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all creatures that move along the ground. Now, next time you feel inadequate, remember this. You've been made in the image of God. Now, are you worthy to do anything for God? Absolutely. Why? Because that's what God created you for. He created you to be like Him. So I think a question that a lot of people have in life is, well, am I worthy to do anything for God? Absolutely. But another question many people have is this, does my life have purpose? You know, does my, does my life, does it mean anything? All right, let's look in verse 10 again. It says, for we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. You know, there are so many people who, who struggle with the meaning of life and purpose. They feel like, you know, my, my life really doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just, I'm here, I'm taking up space. You know, we live, we die, and that's it. And I kind of understand that thought process because of what we teach people. I and mean, what we teach about life is we, we teach that life is, for one, I, I think we really teach that it's not really that important. And we teach that, that life came about by accident. You know, it just sort of happened and we came crawling out of the primordial ooze. And guys, if that happened, let me tell you something, that there is really, there's really no right, there's really no wrong. If, if that happened, then that means there's really no purpose in life, there's really no meaning. And so I think that's why we find that there are a lot of people who just really don't see a whole lot of value in life. And then on top of that, then we look at the flaws that we have. And then we, we just get very down on ourselves and say, you know, I wish I was taller. I wish I was skinnier. I wish I had more muscles. And then we look at ourselves and say, you know, if there really was a God, there's no way that God would make something like me. No way that he would do that. Yeah, guys, what I know is that when God makes, when God creates, he has purpose in mind. And all those flaws and imperfections that you see in yourself, guys, there's a reason for those things. I, I enjoy golf. Now, I'm not a good golfer. I enjoy it. And so it's been nice for me. The older I've gotten, you know, I, don't, I no longer go out there and, you know, just beat my clubs against, uh, against the side of a tree. I just do it against the side of a cart now. But, uh, but I do enjoy golf. But, you know, golf balls are interesting. And, you know, if you play golf for a long time, if you, if, you, if you play golf, you know that golf balls have dimples in them. And I've never really thought anything about it, but there, there's actually a reason for those dimples being in the golf ball. Now, you think in the way that most of us think is we think, you know, we don't like imperfections. We'd like everything to be all smoothed out and everything to be nice and round in our lives. Well, if you do that with a golf ball, what's interesting is that a, an aeronautical engineer said that if a golf ball is completely smooth, that it can only travel 130 yards. He said, but with all the dimples in it, you know, the imperfections in it, he said it makes it more aerodynamic. And so it's able on average to travel twice that distance because of the imperfections. In other words, it's able to fly farther with the imperfections than if it, they didn't have any imperfections. And I thought in a lot of ways, I think that's, that's true with people. That whenever God makes us, there are things in our lives that we don't understand, and there may be some hardships that we go through that we don't understand. And I look at the Apostle Paul, and I remember that he said, God, I have a thorn in my side. We don't know what it is. God, remove it. God never did. 
But I really believe there are times when we have these things in our lives that we don't understand, but God allows them to be there because it enables us to fly farther in life than if we didn't have them. King David understood this. He marveled at creation. He said this about the Lord in Psalm 139. He said, you form my inward parts. He said, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. He said, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, now here's a question. Who created you? Well, God did. Now, if God created you, did, did God create you on purpose? Did he create you for a reason? Absolutely he did. He created you for a reason. Well, what's the reason? If you look in verse 10 again, he says he created you to do good works. So how do we do these good works? I can tell you one, you don't do, you don't do these good works by just simply living for yourself. I said this last week, man in his nature is very selfish. But good works come about as we live according to the purposes and the plans of God as he lays them out for us in Scripture. Now, now how does that work? work? Well, if we live according to God's word, then we're going to give a witness and a testimony to the people around us of the blessings of God. Now, now what does a life live for God look like? If you really live for God, what, what, what will you find in your life? And I think there's a couple of basic things that you're going to find in your life. Uh, one thing that you're going to find in your life as you seek and serve God is you're going to find peace. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of peace where you think absence of all trouble. Read the Bible. If you read the Bible, everybody in the Bible, is they are facing trouble. But what you find is that they have peace even in the midst of bad circumstances because they know that God's always with them. That's why Romans 8.31 is so, so powerful to me. It says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Another thing that you're going to find in your life is you serve and follow after God. You're going to find hope in your life. I mean, we live in a world that's desperate for hope. You know, people are looking for anything to hang on to in life. And as you, as you discover God and you follow God, you discover that you have a hope of forgiveness. You discover that you have a hope for a life beyond this one, that there is a hope that there is a life better than this one. Isn't that good news? Well, what else do you discover? you discover that there's a reason for living. Yeah, guys, as, as I look in our world, and I think, uh, what, what's a life lived for without, without the presence of God? Man, it's scary. You know, there's, there's so many things that are wrong. You know, the economy's in the, you know, it's in the toilet. We've been at war for over 13 years. We see marriages and families that continue to struggle. We see a degradation of our values. But whenever we are serving and seeking after God, we discover that there is a God who says, I have a future for you. That's why Philippians 4, 6 and following is so important. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's why I really believe the church is so important. Because as we come here together on Sundays, what we do is we look into Scripture and we are reminded that we have a God who made us for a reason. That's why our V groups are so important. That's why we're doing a V groups fair. It's so that we can plug into small group communities and we can receive support from other people as we, as we try to live this life in a way that's going to honor God. And that's why as a church we have a commitment to serve. Because guys, as we serve, we give a picture of who our God is. 
In the next few weeks, one of the ways that we're going to be serving is we do Lake Carolina. And that's something we've done for years. And the neighborhood came and asked us to take that event over for them. And it's one of the biggest events that we do. And so we're able to go and we're able to serve and be involved in the community. And let them know, hey, we're just simply here as a way to serve you like Christ has served us. Guys, what good is our faith if it doesn't affect the way that we live? Now, I think there's some basic questions a lot of us have. Am I worthy to do anything for God? Absolutely. Does my life have any purpose? Yeah, you, you were made for good works. And this is the last question. Is there an actual plan for my life? You know, is there, is there like a, a map or a direction that, that God has in mind for me? Well, again, look in verse number 10. It says, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. I love that. It says God has prepared ahead of time for how he wants us to live, the path that he wants us to be on. And it very much reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 11. A lot of you know that verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, the neat thing to see is that it says that God will prepare us for the calling that he has on our lives. When God calls you and me to do something, God will give you the power. He will enable you to be able to perform what he calls you to do. God will never call you and ask you to do something that he won't equip you to be able to do. Now, let me, let me give you a, a testimony from my own life. Whenever I was in college, I had no intention whatsoever of being in ministry. Didn't care to do it. I felt like that my, my uncle was a pastor, my dad's a pastor, and I was like, God, you, you got our family covered. And so when I, but I was, when, I was in, when I was in college, I sensed God leading me, leading, leading me towards ministry. It made me nervous. And, and, and here's what's it scared me. The whole idea of like preaching, I was like, that is crazy. I'm not going to do that. Uh, to, for people to look and call me like pastor and to see me as being a spiritual leader, I'm like, I, I ain't that. But as time went on, I just continued to feel God calling me in that direction. And so there came a time when I finally said, God, I don't understand this, but I'll do what you want me to do. And you know what I've discovered? As I, surre- as I surrendered to God, that God has empowered me and enabled me to do what he called me to do. You know, he didn't just leave me hanging out there. He didn't call me to do something and say, I can't wait to watch him twist in the wind. And now, over 20 years later, you know, I'm still hanging around doing this stuff. Now, here's, here's my question for you. What has God called you to do? What's he called you to do? Now, in general, I can tell you one thing he's called you to do. It's in verse number 10. He's called you to good works. Now, for some of you, you might have a sense in your life. Maybe God's called some of you into ministry. That just scares you to death. If if that's you, let me tell you something. I get it. Maybe maybe for others of you, God has called you to serve in in some specific area, maybe in working with students, or maybe maybe God has called you in your business to, to start some sort of Bible study, or maybe God's called you to minister to a particular person where you work and invite them into the church and to pray for them. Guys, what it comes down to is it comes down to you being obedient. And you might be nervous, but God will give you power to do what he's called you to do. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Guys, let me tell you something. Don't ever doubt what God can do in your life. Don't ever doubt it. God's big. And we have a testimony of it here, right here in the church. You guys, this, this church is where it is because of people like you. Because there have been people who have faithfully prayed for God's blessings. Because there have been people who have faithfully served, who faithfully invited people to come into the church, who faithfully shared Jesus with others. And God has taken all of that and he's turned it into more than we could have ever believed or imagined. Now it's easy to have doubts as to what God could do with people like us. It's easy to doubt and to wonder, could God really do something with me? Guys, here's the deal, absolutely. If God is powerful enough to forgive you of sin, if God is powerful enough to bring you into eternal life, let me tell you something. God can handle everything else. God has a plan for your life. You may say, well, how do I discover it? What's his plan? A good starter for you is to look in this book. Start reading it. Another good starter for you is to continue to come together for worship as we seek and worship God. Another thing to do is to be involved in a small group. Gather together with other believers so you can find accountability so that you can share your life with other people. And then the final thing is be obedient. When you sense God leading you, do it. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Now, our church, one thing we've said is we will be a church that is committed to serving. Because we believe that you demonstrate your faith by your works. God's calling you to serve. Where? Where? Where is he calling you to serve? Now, some of you might not be real sure. Well, there's a lot of different service opportunities here. And you can look in your bulletin. There's a card there, and you can fill out your card and say, I'm interested in serving. Maybe there's a couple of areas in there that you notice that you'd like to serve. And maybe there's an area that's not covered in there. And you say, you know, I'd like to serve in, in this particular capacity. Write that down and then put that in the offering basket at the end of the service. Because we, we want you to not just be a spectator. We want you to serve. And we want Village Church to be a church that is known for serving. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to serve.